Hey guys, welcome to the Better Way podcast, where we have conversations about anything and everything pertaining to following Jesus in everyday life. Our hope is that the discussions that we have here would challenge your faith and encourage you in your relationships with God, people, and the world around you. My name is Adam Winter, and I'm here with Matt Dorn, and sadly, no Ryan Breland. Woohoo. Sad. We miss you already. He is... uh, Bailing to have breakfast with somebody. I hope it's his wife because that's literally the only appropriate excuse for not being here. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, today, guys, we are doing our third Wednesday word. So again, if you've been listening with us, this is every week, every Wednesday. We are diving into the chapter that we are reading uh, for this particular day in our 90-day gospel reading plan. Today is Wednesday, Wednesday, June 28th. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 24. So hopefully you've read it. If not, this is a great time to pop it open or just listen to us discuss it, and then that'll give you all the more reason to to look into it yourself. But we're just going to jump right into it today. This long chapter, it is long, has 51 verses in it, and it provides a lot of interesting conversation. So a lot of people use this chapter to talk about the end times. Obviously, if you've read it, then you can see some end times type of language all over. But Matt and I are going to kind of try to just talk through what it is saying most immediately to the people that it was written to before it was written to us. We must interpret it properly, not however we would like to. And and the way that it's intended to be interpreted is by first understanding what it meant to these first century disciples. We very naturally are inclined to make this chapter about the end times when Jesus will return and all of that. And sure, I believe that it has some things to say about that. But first and foremost, what Matt and I are going to be talking about is we're going to be looking at Jesus foretelling the future destruction of the temple, which we know from history happens in AD 70. And we know has very much to do about the destruction of the temple because Jesus had up to this point in his public ministry spent a lot of time emphasizing that he was the center of God's healing and restoring work, not the temple itself. The Jewish people believed that the temple was like it, and their vain offerings, their sacrifices really meant nothing to God because their hearts were far from him. So he's showing up and saying, hey, it's not about the temple anymore. I am what you should be looking at. I am where God is going to do the healing and restoring work. We see him three chapters prior flipping over tables in the temple in chapter 21. And here at the beginning of chapter 24, as his disciples are, they've just left the temple. They've spent a lot of time here at the temple. And they're leaving the temple, and they're pointing to Jesus all the ornate details of the temple, which was viewed as really one of the most beautiful buildings in the whole world. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's all coming down. Like, the whole thing's going to be destroyed. And we see this, Matthew 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away when when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. He answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So we see that his disciples are asking some very specific questions. They're saying, when will these things be? Well, what things? The destruction of the temple, as he just said, this, everything you're looking at is going to be torn down. They're like, well, when, when is that going to happen? And then they say, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They're asking very specific questions and yet... So often we can reduce this to talking about just nothing more than the second coming of Jesus, which again, I think it certainly has something to say about his second coming, but first and foremost, it's about some other things. So Matt, you and I were talking off air just about kind of like the baggage that we can bring to the Bible and how that can impact our interpretation of what we're reading. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Just like you were saying earlier, like we we have to recognize that 
we're reading a story. Matthew is painting this narrative picture of the life of Christ. And he's, he's relating accounts to us about discussions that Jesus had with his disciples. And it's, it's done in a meticulous way. And, and we have to recognize, I remember uh, in college, one of my professors was always about context is king. Context, context, mm-hmm. context. He just kept pounding that to us. That the context in which the verses or the chapters surrounding the text, it, it, is, it is king. It is crucial. And so we have to, we have to first come to the scripture in that, in that light. And a lot of times we, we can approach the scripture with our own understanding of it and we don't read it for what it just says and you know just like you read the first three verses there it it's very clear of what Jesus is talking about he's answering a question that his disciples are raising if we're really just listening and following the story along we're seeing these these hints that Jesus is pointing to I am that temple this temple means nothing yeah this temple is about it an earthly kingdom and my kingdom is different than this kind of kingdom mm-hmm. and I am the centerpiece of the kingdom, and, and he's trying to get his disciples to think that way. And then then you come to this text, and you start looking at the language and the vocabulary that's being read here, and our minds can automatically go to this end of the age. You know, even the subheadings, signs of the end of the age, my mind can immediately go to the second coming of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and that can make it more all the more difficult to, to really draw out what the— What's really happening here in these verses? And people, you know, not not everyone would know that those subheadings were not originally there in yeah. the manuscripts. Those were added much, much later. Yeah, and that, that's our misfortune, the chapters, the verses, all those things. Sometimes that's helpful, sometimes it's definitely not. Yeah, it's it's a great reference point, but, you know, sometimes it's, and it might, might be helpful to even, you know, as you, maybe you've read the chapter for today, go back and read the, the following three chapters to see the cohesiveness the flow, and the yeah. story, the flow of things and how it, oh yeah, and it's going to make more sense. And that's that's why... We're not just one and done kind of disciples, right? Of Jesus, we're constantly reading the word because the word is doing something to us. We're seeing more and more every time we're reading God's word that we're seeing, oh wow, that is more connected than what I saw the first time. Yeah, um, that's the beauty of it. No, that's good. Yeah. So, so Jesus goes on verse four. He start this. This chapter is full of warnings, right? For for followers of Jesus there in the first century, and then for us as well, obviously as it applies to us in our modern context. Jesus says in verse 4, see that no one leads you astray. That's just like the first of his warnings here. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And then it goes into these future prophecies will be coming. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines, earthquakes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he's he's preparing them to anticipate first and foremost the destruction of the temple. But then also, yes, this does have much to say about his his coming in general. Going to the second question that the disciples asked, which was first they said, "When will these things be?" In verse three, which again they're talking about the temple. When when is this going to go down? Like the temple? What are you talking about? The temple is going to be destroyed. Like when will that happen? And Jesus says, "Well, some things have to happen first, right?" The second question they ask is, what will be the sign of your coming? So interesting thing about that, again, like you said about the subheadings, immediately I'm thinking, okay, the sign of his second coming, right? Mm, yeah. And, and that's a natural thought that we should have, and we obviously believe in the, <laughs> the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And are looking forward to that. But this is, I believe, talking about something differently, which is, the, the, so the Greek word there is parousia. It's the same word, actually, that was used for, you know, this is the Roman Empire, for Caesar, when he would arrive in a, in a state or in an area, the Roman citizens of that area would be greatly anticipating his coming, his arrival. And it's the same word used there, the parousia, his parousia, because it would, it would validate, you know, this is my king. This is, this is Caesar. 
and it would also show their neighbors, hey, this is this guy is the king of the world. And so I believe that's more of what the disciples are getting at here, Jesus. And when will be the sign of your coming? When are you going to reveal yourself as the promised king of Israel, right? This is rooted in deep, deep history, prophecy after prophecy. This is rooted specifically in a prophecy that's coming out of Daniel chapter 7. If you've mm-hmm. been following through the book of Matthew, there's a lot of son of man language. Jesus is calling himself son of man over and over and over again. And Go ahead, Matt. And his audience would key into that because they're, they're a Jewish audience. Yep. The reader, is a, it's written to Jews directly. Yep. It's for us too, but the intended audience was a Jewish community. And so they would understand that language, son of man. There's not, a, their there's minds, not a Jew out there that didn't know what he was right, talking about. And they, about. their minds would yeah. immediately go back to that passage in Daniel, yep. thinking along that kind of context of that. So that's, that's right. the other thing about our assumptions that we come in, that scripture is like a... It's like a cavern. We're, we're mining the cavern and digging out the the, the gems that are that are there, mm-hmm. and it can seem complicated at first. But just just stay curious is the big thing. Is 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 wonder about like oh there I keep seeing son of man and notice these things as you're reading and 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 discover those things because the more you discover those things, the more you're seeing the cohesiveness of what this is really talking about. That's good. Stay curious. Ask questions. Dig. And so, yeah, like I was saying, it's reverted back to this prophecy that's in Daniel chapter 7, uh, verses 13 and 14 of Daniel 7 say this. This is a vision that was given to the, the prophet Daniel. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. There's that kingdom language mm-hmm. again that we've been talking about all throughout Matthew that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So that's what they're thinking of as Jesus is going to, you know, all over the place talking about this kingdom has come, and I am the son of man. That's pinging all kinds of Daniel 7 expectations. And so it's with that understanding that the disciples ask him, when will be the sign of your coming, your parousia? When are you going to reveal yourself? as the son of man who's going to inherit a kingdom and everlasting dominion. And so Jesus is responding to that saying, hey, a lot of things have to happen before that that time comes, right? Yeah. And so it's not to say that we can't look at this and say, oh, you know, because a lot of people with certain eschatology, certain end times beliefs will say, you know, like, look at the world, man. We got famines. We got earthquakes. We've got nations looking going. for signs. Yeah. And it's yeah. good to be on alert like that. I think that's right. a healthy thing to be like, okay, like mm-hmm. I'm expecting Jesus to come back because right. Jesus really wants us to have that that posture in life. It's like, we, at the end of the day, we don't know the hour or the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to be on alert and to anticipate his arrival at any moment. So. In the vein of of the baggage we can often bring to the text, like you were talking about, Matt, verse 24, Jesus says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And so, Matt, talk about the importance of being aware of false teaching as we strive to faithfully follow Jesus in our modern context. Yeah, I my mind immediately goes back to our previous podcast where we were talking about, I think it's Matthew 17 with the transfiguration where um, three of his disciples see Jesus for who he is. They hear the voice of God saying, listen to my, this is my son, listen to him. Mm-hmm. And that's where my mind immediately goes to when you hear Jesus saying this warning is, is this is my son, listen to him. Remember that, disciples, remember that. Like, this is my son, listen to what he's saying. He's saying there's going to be people out there who are going to be pretenders. They're going to pretend to be who I am. They're going to they're going to be fake phony. They're going to maybe on the outside look look like it because 
maybe they're saying the similar things that I'm saying or doing some of the similar things I'm doing, but they're, they're, they're not, they're not me. And the question that comes to my mind is like, whose voice am I listening to? Am I listening to the voice that I'm creating in my mind? Am I, am I filtering the thought through anything else? Is, is the voice someone else outside of me? It could be culture, could be friends, could be the circumstances of my life. Whose voice am I really listening to that's shaping and forming who I think about who God is, who I think I am, what I think about this world? What voice am I listening to? And is it being filtered through anything at all? And, and so that, that's, that's the warning that he's giving his disciples here and now. And that's an applicable warning for us today in, in all contexts of life is what, what kind of voice am I listening to? Because that's directly going to impact how we think about God, how we think about ourselves, how we view the world, how we live our lives on a daily basis. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, no, it makes me think of like, because I guess when I'm thinking of his warning there, I'm thinking of specific like figures, like people who have platforms and like people that are notable in in our in our world mm-hmm. today. Yeah. You know, I should be careful when I'm listening to that news anchor or that politician or thinking of people that have a voice. Mm-hmm. But I think so often we cannot think of that warning in terms of what we're watching. Just just on yeah. Netflix or on yeah. Hulu or whatever streaming platform mm-hmm. you use or the music Podcast. that we're listening to or the friends that we're around. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know that's what you're saying, but just to kind of bring it down just more specifically, like it's really what voices are we listening to? And it's not that we need to, you know, cut them all off and be hermits and just, you know, right. <laughs> read the Bible 24 hours a day. That's not realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like thinking more, just thinking more intentionally about the voices that we're listening to through, through whatever medium that is, because whether we realize it or not, they are, like you said, shaping us, forming our view of the world, and then obviously will form how we live, how yeah. we respond to it. And I mean, like you were saying, it's like, it doesn't mean like you can't consume those things but also recognize they're doing something to you. It's, it's no wonder that Paul would write in Romans 12, renew your mind, yeah. right? Like we have to have a filter through which we're interpreting or seeing or viewing these things from because if we don't, left to themselves, they, they, they are still shaping and forming us regardless of whether you have a filter. But the filter helps, uh, uh, as one of my mentors has told me, uh, chew up the meat, spit out the bones type thing. Uh, you know, it, it helps you, you know, distinguish okay that's true and that's not because the warning here about false teachers false teachers they don't always tell lies they tell partial truths which is a lie yeah but the partial truth always gets us it's oh, those yeah. those pseudo like oh man that sounds right it must be right and it's really not true and that's that's where all of these false voices or false teachings can come from in our lives is we can we hear the the itty bitty part that sounds true and is true but then you start going down the rabbit trail and it's, it's more lies than it is truth. And so that's, that's all the more important to, to have those filters in place in the sense of like, okay, what is true? Yeah. What does God say is true? And, and how does that reflect into my life? And like, okay, they, they said this, this movie portrayed a picture of the world. Is that really true? Is that, is that the way that it, was, it works? Yeah, and I think that's a good, that's kind of a good segue into this, this last part here. Because I think if we're, not, if we're not aware of the messages that we're we're receiving or the things that we're consuming. We're just kind of floating through life. We're watching what we want to watch. We're, we're hanging out with people we want to hang out with. We're just kind of existing and we're just kind of going through the motions. In my experience, and I think the more conversations I have with others, that can very easily just lead to just what I just said, just an existing. It's almost like, and it can also breed kind of a spiritual apathy to where you become less and less aware of this reality that Jesus is coming back mm-hmm. and that he is, he will show up at a time that we do not expect. It's very plain here in the scriptures. Uh, He says, verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. Um, That's a reality that I think very few of us, myself included, do Mm -hmm. not think about enough. 
And so if we're just floating through life and we're just doing what we want to do and we're just going through the rhythms and we're not thinking more consistently about, man, Jesus is coming back. Am I ready? Not am I ready, like, have I done enough good things? Like, we know that the things that we do have no bearing on our salvation, but, like, am I presentable to him? Like, have I been living Mm -hmm. my life for him or am I just existing, doing what I want to do? Mm -hmm. How am I going to feel when he shows up? Mm-hmm. And, and you were talking about just recently you having gone to a funeral, just like yeah. talk about that. Just like, the yeah, man, that. just uh, the other day I was at a funeral and just reminded of just the life is such a vapor life can. Yeah. It, it it's, we're not promised tomorrow. We're really not. And, um, but we live each and every day like we are, <laughs> and that's the tension that we, we fight against. And so very difficult because it's the tension that we all face where we start beginning to focus on the here and now and may, maybe get distracted from that and get into building our kingdom over against building the kingdom of God and living for the kingdom of God. I know that's very churchy language, but just even that expectation and awareness, like he is going to come. It's going to come at a time that we don't expect it. And what do you have to give? I think about the, that quote. Um, I forget who says it. It's up on my wall at home. But it talks about the shortness of life and that only what's done for Christ will last. It's a catchy statement. Yeah, I know. What I can't you're think of the. About. I can't think of the 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 guy, the person who quoted it. But only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah. And I think about that at times. Is that's the statement's true? What mm-hmm. am I doing for Christ? That's what's going to last. These little petty things that I get so caught up in, get so consumed by, get so addicted to, like right now I'm into a book right now and it is absorbing a lot of my thought and time. And you just get caught up in it. You're like, man, this is so distracting from the the overall thing that I need to be pursuing and doing. It brings a lot of things to mind about like, what, what should we be living for and how should we be living and how can... And yeah, I don't know, that's a question to bring up is like, how do we practically live in light of that? Yeah, live live our lives in light stay of Stay awake. That. On a, yeah, and that ties into these, just closing us out here, starting to close us out here with the, these verses that Jesus gives us. And they're, they're kind of, they end in a very heavy way. But I mean, again, this chapter is full of a lot of warnings. But starting in verse 42, he says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in part in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He goes on, he says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions." But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Youch. That's heavy. That's that's the part of Jesus that isn't going to be on a verse on your wall in your house. <laughs> but it's no less true, man. That's like, that's that's heavy. That's real. And that the word that stuck out to me there was at the end, cut them in pieces and put them with the hypocrites, mm-hmm. right? Those that say they're something that they're actually not. Those that right. say, I, I love and I follow Jesus, but meanwhile, they're just living mm-hmm. vain lives, not mm-hmm. anticipating the arrival of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the, the danger there is what Jesus says at the end. And so like, it, it, there's supposed to be a, a level of fear there for us. I don't want to watch that. Like there is supposed to be this weight and this fear there. Yeah. And it should provoke us to ask, man, how am I living right now? Yeah. And so Matt, for you and I, like just to close this out, like talk about more of what, what just what that's looked like for you. And I know, you know, you and I aren't perfect by any means. Like no. we're very much in process, just like anyone is who's listening. But what does it look like 
for you to try to live with intention, stay awake, stay alert, and combat the spiritual apathy that can so easily permeate our lives. It's so easy to just get into this this funk where, yeah, 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 you know, God, Mm -hmm. going to church and blah, 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 you know, but like there's really not a life in your devotion to Christ. What, what, what are some things that you're have tried or are trying to do to combat that? Yeah. Man, when I, when I, as you're reading that, I was just thinking about living a life of integrity is so hard. Um, because that, that's, that's, that's what's at stake there. Like this, this person's like, Oh, I'm going to do this when my master's away mm-hmm. and the master's going to show up and you're, you're saying one thing, but doing the other. And just so you're, you're trying to live this life of integrity and, um, life who's just faithfully just being honest, telling the truth, keeping promises. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are practical things that we can, we can do to build that life into ourselves. But, uh, for me personally is, uh, you know, surrounding yourself with people is a big thing uh, to keep you in check, to uh, to ask you questions. You know, just the other week, I had a guy I went to lunch with, and um, he just asked me the honest questions of like, "Man, hey, how are you doing? What's what's going on in your life?" Just try that that reality check that you need. Uh, my wife and I would go on a weekly dates in the morning time, and those things those are helpful because it's really giving me perspective of like taking ownership of my family. Am I, am I abdicating that responsibility? Am I even doing anything there? Um, even, even down to where, and guys, like I, I, this, I'm not crushing this at all. I'm a work in progress and I, I probably am a lot harder on myself than maybe what I am, but that maybe that's just how I'm wired and things I have to overcome. But like, even to where in the home life of like, okay, am I discipling my kids? Well, how, how do I help them learn to love Jesus and not hate, uh, hate the rules and you know yeah. how, how to how to maintain joy in my home mm-hmm. right like I want them to know that following Jesus is joyful and yeah. not this rule-based and begrudging. heavy and yeah. begrudging and laborious and boring but it's joyful yeah. it brings amazing hope and peace into our lives it's a better way and so like one and so helping them as they read God's word even like how do I understand this like the other night and I'm thankful for my wife <laughs> she's bringing up you know discussions Hey, what are you reading? Like in this in this reading, what are you learning? Um, those things are helpful, and just even every every night we're trying to um, you know read a passage of scripture and say, hey, what does this say about God? What does this say about you? So putting those things in our lives are helping us see the bigger picture. Um, are, are helping us see the better picture of what we're really living for. And and, and man, dude, even going to a funeral, like as 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 you know, depressing as it may sound. It can really awaken yourself. It can remind you of, this reality, remind yeah. you of, of of this. Like we're all faced. One of the things that was said at the funeral was that regardless of where that person ended up in eternity, they would want you to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. They would want you to know to follow Jesus. And I, when when the pastor said that, I was like really floored. I was like, that is a true statement. Oh, yeah. Like regardless of where this other. person went, this person would tell you one way or another, you need to know who Jesus you is. You guy. need to follow Jesus mm-hmm. and you need to give your life to Jesus in every way, shape or form. And that doesn't mean like, you know, drop everything and just like go on a mission field. Maybe that is because that's, but you got to be careful what God's calling you to do, obviously. But it's, it's just the everyday ordinary way of us living and doing and breathing is following. That's him. good. So, yeah, for me, just to kind of, and we, we, we've got a lot of overlap there, but for me, I, I feel like I file it under, in terms of the living with intention part, staying awake, being aware of this, this, this future reality is, is I try to ask myself kind of through the lens of what am I building and who am I building that with? Like, those are two questions that I, 
that I'm really just trying to continue to ask myself throughout my life, what am I building? Like, like in terms of like, what, what am I doing with my life? Am I just floating? Am I just existing? Or am I actively working to, to build character, to build mm-hmm. um, my family up, to build my wife up, to do things? And again, so miss the boat on this a lot of days, you know, but it's still something I'm shooting for. And it's not just a general shooting for it's I've taken time and I'm continuing to take time to think mm-hmm. through what are some strategic ways, some specific ways that I can pour into my own spiritual growth, you know, through through study, through fellowship, through doing some deep soul level work, uh, through building up my family, taking time to think through, okay, guys, what who are we as a family? Like, what is the Winter family about? What what is our quote unquote mission statement? Like, what are we shooting for? What what character do we want to be about? You know, like you said, you mentioned telling the truth. That's a huge value in my family. Hey, guys, we don't tell lies in this family. Like, we we tell the truth, all of us. And we're not telling half-truths, we're telling the whole truth. That's what we're about. We're going to be a family who has integrity. We're going to be a family that that is uh, comfortable sharing their emotions with one another. We're going to be a, a family that that forgives, you know, and, and just instilling these values, but saying that out loud to them, yeah. huddling the family up, you know, as a spiritual leader and being like, hey guys, like this is what we're going to be about as a family. Mm-hmm. And then also, like you said, it's it's about joy. It's, it's, it's about doing life together as a family and inviting others into that. Yeah. Big value for us is uh, honoring the Sabbath, which is new. That's that's a year old in my life, but it has been transformational in the sense that once a week, we intentionally stop doing what we've done the previous six days, and we say, okay, we're going to live out the reality that God really is sovereign. And the way that looks is we stop working, we stop striving, we stop producing, achieving, and we just rest, and we delight, and we eat good food, and we have fun. But all the while, we're centering our mind on the reality that there is a God mm. and his son is going to return. And so today I'm going to acknowledge that by honoring this day that he has set apart for us to rest. Give, and to give complete control to him. Give yeah. Trust. It's just a way that we practice that. Yeah. And no, so, I mean, and there's just other ways, you know, but just ultimately and, and a deep, a big one for me right now, a huge one for me is developing deep, rich biblical friendship. Because this word community, you know, it's a great word. We use it here a lot. It's essential part of following Christ, but I think sometimes it can be the stale impersonal kind of words. So mm-hmm. that word friendship, really trying to develop that in my life in deeper levels, uh, which is something I'm very much in process of doing, but re- realizing I really, we say we can't do it alone, but we really can't. This, this staying alert, this staying awake, it requires that we are deeply interconnected and have these deep lateral relationships with one another. So that's another way that I'm trying to be intentional and to uh, stay awake and alert as we await the return of Jesus. But Hopefully this was encouraging to you guys. Again, if this has been helpful to you, make sure you like and subscribe it. If you leave us a review, that just that really does. The more engagement we get on this podcast, the more notoriety it'll get. Obviously, we're not trying to get famous or anything like that. A little small podcast in Greenwood, South Carolina. But it does get the word out, and it does help us uh, if you do that as well. But yeah, we'll see you guys next week.